Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud. I am so glad everybody is back listening. We're almost at the end of our Season 2 collection of episodes. And today we are celebrating author Jennifer Rains. She comes all the way from Australia. And every time we talk, Jennifer, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> and it, I, I just feel like I'm a time traveler because I... I get to jump into the future when you and I talk, because it's a whole different day there. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Thanks again for coming back onto the program. I appreciate it. Australian Jennifer Raines writes contemporary romances set mainly, but not exclusively in Australia. Think Malta, Finland, and New Zealand. A dreamer and an optimist, her stories are a delicious cocktail of mutual respect, passion, and loyalty because she still believes in happily ever after, as we all should, as far as I'm concerned, just a little aside. Um, She is an award-winning author, and her stories combine a love of romance with contemporary conflicts. Her writing is both relevant and heartwarming. Each story is a journey across the world. Jennifer likes to think that her readers get occasional hints of the deep passion of Nora Roberts or the unshakable loyalty of Grace Burroughs, where love conquers loyalty, distrust, and fear. And if that's not a reason to read your catalog, (laughs) I don't know a better one, seriously. (laughs) Each time I read you, I just feel so comfortable and so at home. It's really, you have a wonderful storytelling voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about Layla's Choice. This is your fourth or fifth book? This is my fourth um, published book. Um, I call this my kind of um, meet in a bar, marry in Vegas book. Well, fun. Uh, well, I call it that because of the truncated time. Okay. So it's in a, in a fairly short space of time that uh, they fall in love. Um, I chose Malta because uh, a lot of uh, Australians, we have a lot of um, immigrants from Malta to Australia. I've got friends and family and extended connections. And uh, they often go back and visit. So you hear stories or you see photos and things like that. And I thought, okay, that works. Yeah. Um, It's also um, the reason why I chose it in this instance is it's a signatory to um, the International Convention on Kidnapping and Removal of Children Across Borders. And at the time I started to write this book, I we had 
we had cases of that. I don't know if it comes up in in the United States. But, sure, it does from um, time to time. Number sure. of, yeah, mixed marriages, and um, so people were actually taking children across borders, and one parent wasn't able to see their child again. And so this convention was in the news, um, and which countries sort of was signatory and not Malta was. So I thought, right, um, I'll put my male lead over in Malta discussing international conventions and things like that. That places an Australian in Malta. Um, and then I've got um, my heroine, how do I get her to Malta? And uh, kidnapping and big dysfunctional relationships didn't seem quite right for a romance. Mm. And so I thought, right, I'll have a runaway. Oh, and so okay. run. <laughs> The runaway is um, the 17-year-old niece of the heroine. So she's just on that border of adulthood here in Australia in terms of legal age. Sure. Um, And so she runs away and so my heroine chases her to Malta to find out why she ran. Sounds like as good a reason as any. I mean, absolutely. I that's right. So yes. If my child left, I'd chase him. (laughs) so she arrives in malta to find that in fact her father has hired the top-notch lawyer um and she doesn't trust her father's motives regarding the niece and what he wants for her future that sets up the scene i'm so excited to hear your reading tonight i've missed having you on the program and i'm really excited you're back again so when you are ready please take the microphone and read aloud Okay, this one is in Malta. Um, Chapter one, Layla's choice. Hamish McGregor gave a silent whistle. The images he'd seen of Carmen Vella hadn't done her justice. Professional websites, her niece's social feed. Carmen was often in the background. Good enough for recognition. Although the unskilled snap and upload photography was exposed the moment Hamish spotted the flesh and blood woman through the customs gates at Luca, Malta International Airport. Her hair matched the Instapics, thick and blue-black, while the gammon cut framed distinctive facial features. Her sculpted cheekbones were balanced by a softly rounded chin, a slightly too wide mouth and a straight nose. From close study, he knew her eyes were ebony, not black, The subtle browns and greens had held his attention longer than strictly necessary for identification purposes. Every single image had missed the energy emanating in waves from the woman walking towards him. He'd want her passion on his side in a fight. Maybe that explained why her father had dispatched her from Australia rather than come himself. She was also gorgeous, impossible to ignore. Her purposeful stride emphasised the vitality contained in her compact body. Her skin tone was a warm olive, a reminder of her family's Mediterranean origins. She wore a loose tomato red sweater and tailored straight dark trousers atop short leather boots. But the sense of lush curves had him sucking in a breath. The air around her snapped with electricity. Miss Carmen Vella was making a dramatic entrance if you equated drama with stealing one's breath. Her head lifted to scan her surroundings and her rich, dark gaze collided with his. 
Desire was immediate, the kind he hadn't experienced since he was an adolescent when hormones regularly swamped more cerebral considerations. Any considerations, if I'm honest. And his reaction rocked him. Mindless lust was a relic of his adolescence, along with his drum kit. He valued women, loved his mother and sisters, and respected the women who worked for him. It took more than an attractive package to trigger his libido. Why Carmen Bella? The kicker was the secrets clouding her eyes in those images he'd studied. They'd stuck in his mind. He understood defencelessness. His success as a domestic violence and child protection advocate depended on it. This woman wasn't defenceless. But the disconnect between the vulnerability in her eyes in the photos and the self-possession in every line of the elegant Miss Vella tugged at him. She cleared the final exit, her journey from Sydney, Australia, to Valletta, Malta, complete. Carmen Vella? He closed the last few metres between them. Her head turned, her body stilled, her expression unreadable. You work for my father? Question or accusation? He held his palms up in a gesture of goodwill. I work for myself. I was in Malta on other business, but I've agreed to stay a few days longer to assist you and your family search for your niece. I haven't asked for your assistance. Her voice was deep and low, the soft cadence at odds with the wariness he read in her stare. He hadn't expected suspicion. Your father, he started. I'm here independently of my father. She placed careful emphasis on each word. Car, I mean, Miss Vella. Only my father calls me Carmen. Miranda, we're blocking the exit. There was a time when saying Carmen instantly sparked the response Miranda, at least in his house where his grandfather had been hooked on old movies. Let's get out of everyone's way. He raised his voice enough to explain to a casual onlooker why he'd reached for her suitcase. Miranda, she held tightly to her bag. Her scent, a little peppery, was proving a more reliable clue to the woman than the short bio he'd uncovered in his limited search. Seriously, Carmen Miranda, a 1940s Hollywood star? What century are you from? Give me an alternative. Who are you? She demanded. He was close enough to be singed by the sparks flying off her. Hamish McGregor, I'm an Australian lawyer specialising in the illegal movement of minors across international borders. He extracted his passport from his jacket pocket and passed it to her. As I said, I'm in Malta on other business and agreed to provide some assistance. To Papa. She scanned his passport, a slight tremble in her hand. Aren't you both pursuing the same objective? I'm not sure of his objective. Hamish was also close enough to glimpse the weariness he'd missed at first glance. The turbulence in her beautiful eyes testified to an internal battle. He was impressed when self-control trumped tiredness and anxiety about her missing niece. Sorry, I wasn't expecting Papa to contact me so soon but you were expecting contact. Hamish's instructions from Sydney had been explicit. 
Giovanni Vella is my father. I love him. We share a big house with my niece and Papa's sister. There's always contact. She dimpled through her exhaustion, her smile devastating in its charm. Her response was a succinct summary, but not quite the truth. Giovanni Vella might be the devil or a saint for all the inflection in her voice. And Hamish was no clearer on whether she'd cooperate in his search. Tell me what Papa's asked you to do. Apart from working with you? He asked. A frown marred her smooth brow, giving Hamish a clue. You really weren't expecting me. Here. Now. Not so soon, but here you are. How about I buy you a coffee? Talk about what we each expected. Hamish binned all the assumptions he'd made so far. She nodded. He took charge of her suitcase and headed out of the stream of people towards a nearby cafe. The rat-tat-tat of her heels hitting the marble tiles of the concourse close behind beat out a message clearer than Morse code, even before she spoke. I'm agreeing to a conversation. That's all. Layla followed him, her reaction slowed more by the memory of the searing heat in his jade-green eyes when they'd first met hers than by jet lag. A heat fierce enough to spark flames. Relaxing shoulder and neck muscles bunched tight by his shocking scrutiny required conscious effort. She'd never experienced such raw need in a gaze, and the speed with which he dropped his ridiculously long lashes to hide his thoughts told her his reaction disturbed him as much as her. She could almost believe she'd imagined it, an intensity at odds with the firm, dry touch of his hand when he'd taken charge of her luggage. She still hadn't explained her name. Carmen Layla Vella. But she'd used Layla since she was 11 years old. Calling her Carmen made him her father's man. His joke about Carmen Miranda an actress who'd died decades ago, made him sound more boomer than the mid-thirties he looked. Would he have the slightest clue how to relate to teenage runaways? Sophie's run away. Approximately two and a half days. Fifty-seven hours Layla had lost track of minutes ago. Her mother's niece had run from their home, her motherless niece had run from their home in Sydney to Malta. Without warning. Except Papa had checked Sophie's bank statement and discovered the flight. Papa was within his rights as Sophie's guardian, but how had he known to look on the very day Sophie disappeared? He'd checked on Sophie's boyfriend's whereabouts too. Finding Hamish McGregor waiting added to Layla's sense of being disconnected from reality. She'd taken the first available flight out of Sydney. On the first leg of the journey, she'd focused on actions to keep the fear at bay, making lists of everything she needed to do. Then she'd used the brief stopover to call in favours and get the name of an agency that might help her in Malta. With the plans made, the final leg had been filled with apologetic emails to her office and fruitless what-ifs about why Sophie hadn't confided in her, 
why Sophie had run away with a boyfriend of a few months, leaving no explanation. Pregnant? Layla's heart simply stopped whenever her mind strayed in that direction. Papa had said he'd hire investigators. Layla had asked him to wait, so she hadn't anticipated this booby trap. Hamish McGregor, why does your name seem familiar? She'd pleaded for 48 hours to manage her own search. A significant number, considering Sophie had disappeared for 48 hours nearly six years ago. Papa's investigator then had had few scruples and zero understanding of the sensitivities of an 11-year-old girl. But like then, Papa wasn't giving her a moment alone in Malta. Why? Another question to add to her list. Layla had one priority. Find her niece and discover why she'd run. Her father's emissary placed coffees and a few sachets of sugar on the table. I thought you'd be gone. His presence was a brutal setback, but it didn't excuse her behaving like a bad-tempered shrew. While she mistrusted his intent, it didn't pay to alienate him. He might even be useful to her. Just not tonight. I said I'd wait. Keeping her word was a non-negotiable legacy from her mother, earning her both friends and enemies. Thank you. She picked up the cup and took a sip. A quick coffee, a few questions, then a blessed escape to her hotel. That helps. Silence, a comfortable bed with a few hours sleep if she was lucky, and she'd face whatever McGregor and Papa had to throw at her. How long have you been on the move? He ripped the top off a sugar sachet and upended it into his coffee. About 30 hours ago with stopovers, the deviation to Cyprus was a surprise. He considered her, slowly stirring his coffee, then apparently came to a decision. Why don't you let me take you to the hotel and we can talk after you've had a few hours rest? He had to be joking. I'm jet-lagged, not stupid. I know damn all about you. I don't know exactly what you're doing here, where your hotel is. And to be perfectly frank, now that the caffeine is helping me think a little more clearly, I don't want to know. She started to rise. Thanks for the coffee. I've told you my name, the work I do. Illegal movement of miners across borders. That's one of my areas of expertise. His composure added to her unease making her pause in the act of reaching for her bag. Google me if you want details. I will. Layla tried to disguise her anxiety with a sharp response. What did Papa tell you? What isn't Papa telling me? Dog tired, she couldn't recall the elusive memory hearing his name triggered. Giovanni Vella's narrow-minded view of the proper role and place of women in his family, coupled with his wealth and power and unhealthy mix, Using his influence to get his way was commonplace. Unleashing a fancy lawyer before they had any facts hit a new low. Tantamount to Papa declaring his intention to impose his will on her and Sophie. I've been employed to find Sophia Vella. Sophie, her name is Sophie. The name Layla's sister Mari had listed on her daughter's birth certificate. Damn Papa's pig-headedness. 
Hamish inclined his head, acknowledging the correction. Why are you here? Have you found her? She asked with beginnings of relief. Maybe that's why McGregor was at the airport. Not yet. I accepted the job late this afternoon. Then we're starting from the same place. She summoned a polite smile. She couldn't afford to trust him until she understood why Sophie had taken off, along with Papa's role in her departure. It wasn't their first... Last week, Layla had refused to support Sophie's wish to go to a house party with a boyfriend. It wasn't their first disagreement about boundaries, and Sophie had seemed to accept Layla's decision. I've worked in Malta before. I have extensive contacts who'll find her quickly and without fuss. What sort of contacts? Layla had her own, but if he knew people who'd make the search easier, she'd be a fool to ignore them and him. An experienced investigator I've used in the past. His implied leadership role was a forceful reminder he was her father's creature. What's he, I'm assuming your contact is a he, doing for you? My investigator is a man, Miss Bella, he acknowledged her snap of frustration. Although I don't see the relevance of his gender, you're welcome to join me tomorrow morning when I brief him. I don't have a problem with men, Mr. McGregor. I've noticed a lot of them have a particular world view, approach problems in particular ways. Sniping at Papa's hired health was uncharted territory for Layla. Empirical evidence that sleep deprivation muddled your reasoning. That sounds like an insult, he quipped. I find a diversity of views delivers better results. How did I let myself be drawn into this ridiculous conversation? Letting prejudice or ego overrule common sense won't find your niece. Damn him for being right. You know nothing about me. Same goes, the challenge in his level voice slowed her down. Papa favoured the quick hit of adrenaline that came from winning a fight rather than taking the time to compromise. Layla had vowed to be different, a vow lost in the jet stream to be replaced by anxiety and exhaustion. Right now a kindergartner stood a better chance of winning a debate with this enigmatic stranger than she did. Making decisions when a brain wasn't functioning would only make matters worse. I'll think about your offer to meet your investigator. Just go away now. Your father has reserved a room for you at the Grand Excelsior Hotel for a week. Layla sank back onto the chair. Her last-minute search for hotels had thrown up the Grand Excelsior. Decadent luxury and 180-degree water views were beyond the budget of teenage runaways. So Layla hadn't considered the hotel useful in a search for Sophie and a boyfriend. Now Papa had dealt it in dealt it and McGregor in. Your hotel? I use it when I'm here, he agreed. Papa's obsession with control would dictate that she be under the eye of his hatchet man. Or another possibility popped into her head, and she knew she'd guessed right. Papa expected her to dutifully fall in with his plans, to accept his assessment of his granddaughter's best interest and to help the lawyer. Not this time. There were no answers to be found in the preposterous shamrock green of McGregor's bland gaze. 
the colour alone bewitched, the intelligence and patience adding to his power. International lawyers and five-star hotels. He is pulling out all stops, she said. It must be love, he raised an eyebrow, seeking information. Or one definition of it. A bribe, so you'll work with me? He frowned as if considering the idea. It wouldn't pay to underestimate the hired help's perceptiveness. Hamish McGregor messed with a mind. His red clay hair and fewer round freckles were a touch too ordinary to merit the term handsome. His rock-hard, determined jaw gave him a rugged look, and she'd guessed persistence rather than stubbornness provided its strength. The kink in his nose suggested he'd been on the losing end of a fight at some point in his career, whereas his broad shoulders and easy carriage made the statement he could defend himself. Not cocky. Self-assured. Marking another change from Papa's usual selection of goons. Why would Papa need to bribe me? Layla pretended to be puzzled. Emotional blackmail was Papa's preferred strategy. His mouth curved into a warm smile, softening the angles of his face. His eyes crinkled with humour at a question, fascinating lines fanning out from the corners to distract her. Such unusual eyes, with impossibly long lashes, which he used more effectively than a geisha's fan to signal advance and retreat to tempt sense and sensibility. His smile, those eyes, his sheer persistence were stuck on a loop in her head. Give me time, he said, and I'll work that out. I'd like to make a move. Do you want a lift? You're like one of those all-terrain vehicles, relentlessly rolling over mountains and down ravines. Layla picked up her cup, remembered it was empty, and set it down. I need a minute to think. While you're a pushover, he muttered, lifting his gaze to the roof. Take all the time you need. McGregor's confidence that he'd get his way was a minor irritation. Papa's reaction if she accepted his hospitality was the larger consideration. The money she'd saved by staying at Papa's expense, rather than her own, was enough to pay for a youth worker at the foundation she part-funded for a week. Papa does know how to target his incentives. Bankrolling was also a sign he'd pit his resources against Layla's. No contest there. His resources were greater. And she didn't need his offer to bankroll her to understand the risks. Accepting the offer of accommodation wasn't surrender, although Papa might read it as that, giving her a short-term advantage. With Papa, you took any advantage on offer. Stalemate, she murmured, more to herself than the man opposite. I'll accept your offer of a lift after all, Mr McGregor. What changed your mind, Miranda? Hamish muttered under his breath. Grabbing the handle of her suitcase, he grinned at the name that had popped into his head when she'd rebuffed his overtures. After directing her towards the car park, Hamish was content to follow his Miranda, a name he'd keep until she gave him an alternative. His grin widened, recalling her reaction. The original actress held her place in the Hollywood pantheon because of a crazy headgear. But there were similarities between the Brazilian bombshell and the mysterious woman cutting a path ahead of him, 
not least the determination evident in her straight shoulders and the follow-me sway of a nicely curved butt. Hamish had taken the chance she'd walk while his back was turned at the cafe. He'd glanced over his shoulder when he joined the coffee queue. She'd been sitting motionless, her face propped on one hand, shoulders slightly hunched forward. Even motionless, with a face the dead spit of the social media images, he'd known they and the pose were wrong. Her energy was like a slow throb, a bass rhythm that gave life meaning. I said I'd stay. A simple truth. The answer and the look accompanying it told him more about Mrs. Don't Call Me Carmen Vella than the quick search he'd done on her. The lady's word was a bond. Her smile had been wry when he'd offered to delay their conversation. But her heroic effort to push back fatigue had gained his sympathy, scuttling his intention to push for immediate explanations. Stalemate. Crossing the terminal, the contradiction of her cat that got the cream expression and her last words gnawed at him. If the lady played chess, stalemate marked a draw, whereas her complacent smile had beamed a victory. She was a mass of contradictions. Was the hotel room a bribe? And why would she need an inducement? He hadn't missed the strain in her eyes when she'd asked if he'd found her niece. Worried as hell yet she procrastinated about accepting help from him. Stalemate. She'd been speaking to herself more than to him. Hamish could work with a draw, a compromise between Giovanni Vella and his daughter, if it put Sophie, not Sophia, first. Papa Vella had talked about punishment and retribution, and the evidence he'd laid before Hamish was compelling enough for him to take the job even when commitments were backing up in Australia. Sophie was underage, in an unfamiliar country, and from the medical reports he'd seen, extremely vulnerable. It'll take about 20 minutes, he said, hefting her suitcase into the boot of his rental car. I can just wait that long for a shower. Her husky sigh rolled over him, triggering a needy thrum through his blood while an unbidden image of her curvaceous body stretching under hot spray jets swam into his mind. When the disembodied voice of his phone satellite navigation system told him to go left, not right, he joined the traffic exiting the airport and knew real gratitude. The subtle perfume of his passenger gave substance to his fantasy, scrambling any sense of direction he might have had. I've heard it's easy to get lost in Malta. She spoke over the traffic directions. Surprisingly easy. I gave myself a day on a previous visit when I turned it off and got lost reported repeatedly on back roads. No sense of adventure tonight? Meeting you will have to do. He tried for a mocking tone and was afraid he'd just made a confession. Thank you very much. What a great reading. Oh my gosh, I was so captivated. I was I was just I was just sitting here on the edge of my seat. So good. <clears throat> what is it aside from the setup you gave us at the beginning um about the the transitional nature of the border to Malta? What is it about Malta that captivates your imagination? Why that country? rather than, say, Cyprus or New Zealand or 
Britain. As you probably know, Australia is huge. Yes. It's a continent as well as a country. Arriving in Malta from the air, you can see the entire country. It's a few islands. And so as you're approaching, it's so tiny. And that is just such an astonishing concept for someone (laughs) um, from Australia um, where, you know, uh, reaching anyone, you know, to leave the country, you travel for hours Mm -hmm. in a plane before you actually get to water almost, unless you go straight off the East Coast. But, yeah, so it it just fascinated me because of its size, uh, because of its history. So some of the people um, who knew my parents, for example, had um, fled after the Second World War and Malta was known for surviving attack in the Second World War and the tunnels that were dug and for its stoicism and the courage of its people. So there was that. Um, Yeah, I I guess sort of its isolation in a way, but its connectedness in many other ways because of the diaspora across the world. It's a really neat dichotomy to think of connection and isolation simultaneously in a space. Yes, 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 yes. Um, And I saw photos of it and it has got lots of stunning things and it's got lots of ancient history and those sorts of things. So... um, it's a natural magnet for a lot of people. I've had someone write to me already, actually, an Australian, just seeing the um, pre-orders available, saying, I have Maltese heritage. I can't wait to read it. And How I go neat. back regularly. Oh, my gosh, that's great. You're already building a fan base. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it is interesting. And, um, yeah, someone, my, my sister, I've got it as the dedication, my sister very kindly offered to go on holiday. <laughs> to visit and send back photos of places that I could um, use in the book and give a first-hand account of what they looked like and how they felt. That research is important, and it's so nice that she was so generous with her time. (laughs) (laughs) How lovely. Jennifer, I'm so glad to have you back on the program again. I'm really excited for this new book coming out. And I'm just thrilled with the success of your writing career. I I can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks, Diana. And thanks for the opportunity. I mean, it's just lovely to um, have uh, an audio out there that people can sample and they can dip into your library and they can find new authors and they can try them and decide to read more or to let them go and try someone else. So it's a lovely opportunity you provide. Yeah, it's kind of like the hors d'oeuvres. It's like the hors d'oeuvres of the book world you know just it take is. a sample it here is. a sample there <laughs> and and for me you know as as I told many people this weekend in an event I'm just a recovering six-year-old and I love to be read aloud too so it's yeah it's a real treasure for me to have you on the program and and I'm I don't think I'm ever gonna get done being fascinated with the fact that you're on the other side of the planet <laughs> Yes, you're wearing winter gear and I'm kind of in spring. Yes, it just <laughs> See the it, spring colors. Yes. <laughs> it boggles the brain when you can, you know, I'm I'm working on a western um book and and you know, this was at the time when the railroad had not yet made it across our right. country. So the idea that you and I are speaking and you're reading out loud to me from yeah. the other side of the planet is just a 
It's a thing my six-year-old imagination can't get over. (laughs) That's right, that you can send messages and they're there in an instant. Absolutely. So I'm just thrilled to have you back. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Diana. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.